In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's October 12th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 57 of Neat One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the Matrix. Or not. Or maybe? I took the green pill. I thought it was a red pill and a blue pill. I was at the wrong party then. Yeah. But this might be a fun night. <laughs> I was told this would get me into, like, a yarn store that didn't end. Oh shit, dude! If like if there was a yarn store that didn't end, I would take whatever Billy wanted. <laughs> like I'll live in the Matrix happily. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, hi everybody. Hello, Maggie's back. I is back. <laughs> Did you miss me? Okay, I'm dumb. Okay. Sorry, I had I had a serious princess complex, and I'm, it's still going away. <laughs> it is it is hanging on by the hairspray. Well, would you like to explain to everybody what that what you mean by that in Adventures in Maggie? <laughs> Adventures in Maggie. Okay, so I went on vacation to visit a friend of mine in the New England area, and I had the whole, like, princess treatment the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not complaining a bit. Like, I still have my pretty nails. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty nails. Anyway. Um, <laughs> pretty yeah. nails that you can't, I can't really, pick stuff up yeah, with. Yeah. Um, picking up change and, like, doing really small buttons and stuff like that. That's why people have staff, obviously. Yeah. Anyways, and while I was there, I did go and find the new yarn store in the area. It is called Yarnover, Kansas. It is in the Simsbury area on Riverdale Farms. Well, it's Simsbury Road in the Riverdale Farms. It was sort of like a little plaza collection. Yeah. It's actually in Avon, Connecticut. Right. There is actually an area in Connecticut called Simsbury. So. Um, see, I was there, and you know it better than I do. I just happened to know this, but I don't remember how. Oh, I've got pictures of said store. Ooh, that's not. Oh, those were the the walls of yarn that I saw the other yes. night. Yes. So funky buttons and lots of cool stuff and, just and a hedgehog. Hedgehog? Where? Felty hedgehog. Oh, right there, <laughs> right in the middle. Sorry. It's a felted hedgehog. It's a felted hedgehog with fun fur instead yeah. of quills. But yes, cubicles of just yarn. Hmm. cubicles that are just lining the walls. And I was there with my friend John, who doesn't knit himself, but he's very open to the whole textile and fabric and, yeah. you know, the crafts work that goes into it. Ooh. So the wall, oh, that's such a nice little city yeah, area Yeah, it's a there. nice little nook. <clears throat> and these shawls were just sampled everywhere. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're only looking at even half the store here. That basically, John just sat down there, and I did my sort of laps. And every once in a while, I'd pick up something and throw it to him and say, hold on to that. <laughs> and Looks like there's a nice big table for... A big table, but knitting. actually, <laughs> there is a knitting group going on on this side. Ooh. See, this is just a low barrier, and then there's more store over on that side. On the right hand side of the right hand side of those. All the needles were displayed there, and I found that they do have dreams there. So I'm like, yay, because obviously in my eyes, dreams are what all the cool kids have. Yes. They had the dream singulars and mm-hmm. dream straights and all sorts of stuff like that, and they had all of the mixed hiahias and all of the other kinds of needles. More yarn. More books and people knitting and having a good time. And from just being in the store and walking around, everybody was laughing. Mm-hmm. Everybody was really happy. Mm-hmm. The lighting is really good. It's really nice and bright. Yeah. The only thing I can say, they, I running around, I did find Lorna's Laces. I did find Louisa Harding. Mm-hmm. I did find, you know, a, um, what else did I find? I found this. Ooh. Tussock. Ah, naturally tussock. 85% pure New Zealand wool, 17, no, 15% polyester effect yarn. Ooh, and it's tweedy. And it's a DK, a DK weight, too. Now, I don't buy yarn without the need for a project. Yes. And this is why I was saying a little bit earlier, you know, before, I was maybe in a threesome. Yeah. Now I'm in an orgy. Because as far as I'm concerned, anything over a threesome is an orgy. Yeah. Okay, so the story is that, um, so I've knit for my friends... Yeah. That I'm staying with. And there's one more friend that's with us. So I'm staying with John and Garrett, and Brian is also a guest, and he's a friend. And I told Brian, I've already knit for the other guys. Is 
would you want me to knit something for you? And he says, yeah, that'd be great. And I'm like, okay, well, on the one hand, he's open to the idea and he's not like poo-pooing it. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, what would you need? And I'm thinking in my head, if you say sweater, I am so kicking you in the kneecaps. <laughs> well, that's why, that's when you say no or you say within well, limits. At that point, we got interrupted and I had to go with John somewhere. And before I knew it, we were standing in the store, and I had to buy yarn. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you're in a yarn store. You're on vacation, you go, you buy yarn. Yeah. So I said to him, well, Brian said he was open to the idea of me knitting something for him, but I never found out what it was. And John said, actually, I do know. He wants a he wants a blue scarf. And I said, okay, okay, that's, mm-hmm. okay, TV knitting, whatever, okay. So I looked at my pattern, and I'm like, okay, I only need about X amount of yarn, so I picked up. You know, okay, I only need two. And he goes, no, get another one. I'm like, why? Well, see, he had this scarf that was knit for him once by somebody else who was a friend. He doesn't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. It was really, really long. I'm like, oh, this guy's like over six feet. (sighs) I'm like, like, how long? Like Doctor Who long? I'm like, okay, he's getting three balls of yarn and that's it. And... I'm not guaranteeing it for Christmas, but... (laughs) Anyways, so I have the yarn. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's pretty yarn. Yeah, it's pretty yarn. It's a nice deep blue. The only thing I wish was that I did ask if they had anything that was by an indie dyer or an Mm -hmm. indie person in the area. Yeah. And couldn't find anything in the store. Now, she did say she was at the point swapping over stock. So I'm getting, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that. That's the only thing that I felt that I couldn't find. Yeah. Was I just want something that would be only be found in that area because that's what yeah. I do for vacation yarn. Yeah. When you're traveling in an area, you want something that you can either just find specifically in that area or you yeah. know, something that you can't find where you are. Yeah. But, I mean, look at even the painting in the background. Yeah. There's a girl. She's winding yarn in the second half of is a guy holding out Aww. the yarn for her to, her, for her to wind. Yeah, it's like an old school painting. Yeah. But no, it was a, it was, it was a beautifully lit store and it was beautifully put together. Lots and lots of inventory, obviously. Mm-hmm. I suggest you go check it out. So anyways, and while I'm on the subject of saying go check it out, I'm giving a shout out to the hair loft. I love you guys. Anybody that is in the Avon area, go and check out the hair loft. It is where I got my hair done for a big fancy and I'm like hoo-ha big fancy diamond kind of event. Go check out the hair loft. They are fantastic people. While I was there, everybody was laughing. Everybody was cutting up. And to the point where one of the uh, stylists just stops and goes, I'm surrounded by Philistines. And everybody's just, because they were talking about, you know, old Broadway show type stuff. (laughs) And go see Rachel. Rachel is the girl that did my hair and makeup. She has tattoos, piercings, a skull uh, bracelet, sort of like Cleopatra Bob with a pink stripe. And she's hot. If I was a guy, I'd do her. She is. I'm sorry. She's, okay. Well, well, A, she's awesome with hair and makeup, and she's, like, awesome. So, anyways, love you guys. Anybody in the Avon area, go see them. So, anyways, I did that whole... Tra- you remember I had that travel project, the daughter's heir? Yes. The daughter heir, anyway. So, that's as far as I got. <laughs> yeah, you've got, like, what, two, three inches? Three yeah. inches? Yeah. Down the leg? I knit on the plane there, and I knit on the way back. And didn't do any knitting any of the rest of the time? Well, on the one hand, there were a couple of really big dogs. Yeah. Because I got scratches all on there. And on the other hand, my coveted porch that I like to go and knit on, Mm -hmm. like the back deck, Mm -hmm. was all wet and soggy. And then I got these. Yeah, the nails. The nails. And it took me Mm -hmm. a day to figure out how to use them. And other than that, I was doing a lot of baking and cooking because, oh my God, the kitchen at their house is fantastic. So, I didn't get a lot of knitting done while there, but the daughter air sock is actually really, really pretty Mm -hmm. when it starts to get knit It is gorgeous. It's really, really pretty. And you're doing that in the turtle pearl yarn, right? Yep. Turtle pearl sparkly yarn. Sparkles! Those are so pretty. Now I want to do cable socks. And I am one lace repeat away from changing my lace pattern on the... Battle Weary Dragon Shawl, which is my smog dragon shawl for the Hobbit along. And as I showed you last night, and I know nobody can see this, but I'm going to describe it so you're all just going to have to bear with me. We've got the small slip stitch 
scale looking texture at the at the top of the shawl. Mm-hmm. And what I did was put just a little square of stockinette stitch mm-hmm. because on Smog's underside is that hole in his breast that he doesn't realize is there that is his weak spot. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. what takes him down in the story. So I put a little square of stockinette stitch to sort of represent that. So yeah, I am one lace repeat away, and each lace repeat is 11, no, it's 12 rows, so I'm 12 lace rows away from changing to the big, big spaced out lace pattern with all of the beads put in it and everything like that. I I went through and I read the pattern again before getting on the plane, and I decided, holy crap, I need to start knitting faster. Because, yeah, um, tomorrow's the 13th? Yep. That means, like... Two months. Two months. The 14th of December is not that far away. Nope. I was having the same realization the other night. Not that far. No, it's not. I should have started this in April. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. To hell with swords and garters. I am knitting on the dragon shawl until that's done. Yeah. And I won't really be doing anything else. Which means no Christmas knitting? Well, if, You're not answering. No, I'm not answering. <laughs> if the dragon shawl gets done before Christmas, I may have frantic Christmas knitting, but I promised myself I would have the dragon shawl done. I mm-hmm. fell during the Olympics. I got a cramp. I fell all over the hurdles mm-hmm. and made a spectacle of myself. I am going to finish this, damn it. <laughs> to hell with Christmas knitting. I say that now, but you know December 15th, I'm going to be frantic, you know, full of yarn and stuff like I that. I will tie you down. <laughs> Woohoo! Anyways. <laughs> and distract you, in that case. <laughs> so that you can't go crazy over Christmas knitting. Okay. Anyways, your turn. Okay, so my adventures in knitting. Well, speaking of falling down and things not going well, I did start my Hobbit Along project, and I was progressing on my Hobbit Along project until a couple nights ago. Oh, dear. The one problem with the nitpicks interchangeable circular set is that after a while, the cords can pop out of the joins, which is precisely what happened a few nights ago. And how many stitches did you have on it? 458 stitches. Owie. It popped out, leaving about 10 stitches dangling. Owie. Which I managed to get back on the cord. Okay. But, and of course, I couldn't find any super glue, so I couldn't mend it straight away. So I had to wait to get super glue, and then I had to glue it. And of course, you have to wait 24 hours for it to harden and stuff. And I've got more cords on the way, but they'll probably be another week or so. So I haven't worked on that for the last couple days, which is not terribly good when, you know, I figured out, um, I think the, the night after I started it, um, I figured out that I have had this many days left till The Hobbit opened. And so... If I wanted to finish it in time, if I wanted to finish it a couple days ahead so I can block it. Yeah. And wash it and block it. And give it time to dry, because it's going to be, you know, it's going to hold up that water for a while. Yeah. It's going to be like washing a sweater. I would need to knit about three rows a day. Oh, dear. Now, that's not, take, that's not taking into account that it gradually gets smaller as you go. Okay. But, you know, it also doesn't take into account that, you know, even when it gets fairly small, it's going to be a fairly large project, and I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to lug it around. So when those are actually done, when the, the glue has really set, I am going to have to get motoring on that. Yeah. Now, in the absence of that project, I pulled out the Lake Shore shawl, um, especially because on Wednesday I went into Hamilton because I had to renew my library card there so I can get, keep getting ebooks. Yay. Because holy crap, they have tons of ebooks. So I wanted the project to bring, and I figured, okay, I'll bring my Lakeshore shawl so I can hopefully try and at least finish the first chart section of that. And I have done with the repeats of the first chart. Huzzah! I am working on the little garter stitch band in between the first and second chart. Awesome. It was kind of nice, too, because I, I was able to get together with Glenna for lunch, Aww. who actually designed the Lakeshore shawl. So she was able to look at it and bless it with her presence. Yay. Her designerly presence. But yes, yeah, so I am progressing on that. But like I said, I'm, I'm probably going to just finish up the little, the little bit in between the two charts and then put it away for another little while because I need to work on my Hobbit lunch yeah. project. Wait a minute. Whose idea was this? Oh, yeah. It was ours. Yep. Of course, while I was in Hamilton, I had to go visit a yarn store, namely the Needle Emporium. Yay. Because that's what I do. 
Yes. Going to Hamilton. Yes. Um, and I told myself, okay, you are allowed to buy one skein of yarn. Okay. Because I knew telling myself I could not buy any skeins of yarn was probably not going to that would just make help or that would just make one rebel. Yeah, and it was also so like, okay, it'd probably be better not to go if yeah. I wasn't gonna buy any yarn. But I figured I had to keep myself to a limit because holy crap, I have a lot of yarn. So I did buy one skein of yarn. One skein of yarn I have been crushing on for a long time. It's uh, from Freya Find Handpates, F-R-E-I-A, and it's their ombre Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or ombre yarn. It's a lace weight yarn, and it's hand-painted in a kind of gradient slash shifting color, sort of. I have seen things knit in those yarns, and they are beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the amaranth colorway. So it starts with sort of a a nice sort of grapey purple into a more lavendery purple, into sort of a greenish grayish sort of color, then into a a light burgundy and a dark and and progressing into a dark burgundy. And actually Julie who owns the store told me the way that the dyer does this is she actually knits up the yarn using a knitting machine. Right. Dyes it so it has the gradient. Right. Where the color changes. And then unravels it. That's how she gets the effect. Interesting. And so you know how it's going to change over a long period of time. And yeah, this is gorgeous. And I've wanted some for ages, but it's always been sort of like, oh, I'll get this other stuff. Yeah. You know. And this time I was like, nope, if I'm getting one skinny yarn, I'm going to get this stuff. And there's 645 yards, which is, you know, fairly decent. And I've been kind of thinking I want another small-ish lace weight shawl to wear around my neck. Now that it's I like, cold. Yeah, now that it is cold because I found I really like my uh, fountain pen shawl mm-hmm. to wear my neck because what I do is I put the, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, I put the triangular point at the front and then wrap the ends around my neck and that means that, you know, the little V where your jacket is open is nicely covered so that your neck and chest don't get cold. Yeah. And now I have gotten like a little bit more yarn this week. Well, a lot bit more yarn actually. Um, there's a rather sizable box upstairs with it. But that's because I got it from Nitpicks, and it's actually a bulky weight acrylic. Acrylic, you might say? I was also going to say bulky? I know. This is so not me in so many ways. Well, a friend of mine has been going through a really rough time, and unfortunately she is not local. And so it is kind of killing me to see her tweeting and posting and stuff and saying, you know, and, you know, basically about life. And like, I just, I want to be there so I I can give her a hug or I I can like help her with stuff or I can take her out to dinner or something like that. And it's just killing me that I can't do that. So I decided I am going to make her a blanket, Mm -hmm. which is also so not me, but whatever. And that way it will be like a hug for me. So when she's feeling low and things are bad, she can wrap herself in the blanket and it will be, you know, a substitute hug for me. Now, I don't want this blanket to take very long. And she has a couple dogs. Mm-hmm. And I don't want her to have to worry about, you know, keeping the dogs off it or making sure it's packed away so that the dogs don't get at it because I want her to be able to use it. So I was like, well, if I don't want to take it very long, I should probably use Bulky. Yeah. If I want the dog, her not to worry about caring for it, I should use acrylic. Yep. So I got, I looked up reviews and saw that, you know, a lot of people really liked the Nitpicks acrylic. Mainly they said it didn't feel like acrylic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, and it is quite soft and squishy and it doesn't really feel as much like acrylic. Okay. So I haven't started knitting with it yet, but I've got a bunch of colors. I forget the actual names. This, this is cobblestone heather. Yeah, this is gray. It's a sort of medium to dark gray in a heathery, which is, like I said, cobblestone heather. I've got a burgundy, a navy blue, and a dark green. So are you making squares and putting them all together? Yeah, I'm probably going to do squares. I'm not sure whether I'm going to do them log cabin style. Okay. Or if I'm just going to start with a square in the middle and then do increases at four corners to make it squares. But at some point I will make the squares like, you know, eight inches, ten inches, square, and then I'm going to stop and do another square. Yeah. Because probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to start each square with, you know, a different color. Yeah. And do different color progression, or do the do the color progression in the same order, but start with a different color, so that, you know, I don't have one color that ends up so it, always being the outside Right, rows. so it doesn't look a little too placed and matched. And- well, that, and also so I don't end up with, you know, needing like four balls of one color 
and three balls of another and two balls of another one and not using all of the last one or something yeah. like that. Just free flow it. I did get an extra ball of the cobblestone heather, though, because I'm probably going to use that to put, put them together. Like, together. I'll probably do, like, knitted sashing on them or something. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. That's cool. The one other thing I did get, because they had them on sale at the moment, I don't think they have them left now. Sorry, guys. But um, Lantern Moon had made special uh, cases for the Knit Picks interchangeable set. So special cloth cases. And my case for my interchangeable set, the zipper on it broke like a while ago. So I'm like, you know, while these are on sale, I should probably get one. So it's got little pockets for all the different sizes of needle. It looks like each pocket can probably only hold one set of each size, but I can keep my extras in the one upstairs because I do have certain sizes where I have more than one. And there's a little pocket for You the... also have some needles on a lot of projects. Yeah, that's why I have more than one of each size of, of a lot of the <laughs> sizes of tips. And why I ordered a couple more for the ones for common sizes that I don't have double set, double sets of tips. And it's also got a little zippered pocket for like notions and yeah, notions. Yeah. So I can keep stitch markers, and I probably stick like a a needle gauge or something like that in there too. And if I'm you know if you hear a fair bit of sniffling and stuff that doesn't end up getting edited out, edited out because someone's you know talking at that moment or something like that, it's because for some reason I have gotten another mild cold. And while I'm not necessarily got a head cold, I've got this cough that I have not been able to get rid of for about ten days. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing. Short thing. God only knows why. But for some reason, I have a strange urge to crochet and make granny squares. Seriously, woman. Yes. Go get in bed. <laughs> this is not you. <laughs> yeah, it's not that there's there's nothing wrong with crochet. No, 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 no. It's just it's so not me. Yeah. So I ended up getting like a couple things of, for some reason I just want to make granny squares out of kitchen cotton. So I got a couple things of like cotton yarn and okay. I was just crocheting granny squares and I got a book from the library about different kinds of granny squares. Okay. I don't know, ma'am. I don't know. And people who follow me on Ravelry probably noticed a bunch of like dishcloth patterns being added to my queue. Are you actually a pod Karen? A pod person? Well, if I am a pod, pod Karen, I don't know though. That is true. So moving into Geek Squeak, because that does segue. Oh yeah, that's true. That Believe it or not. So segues. Yeah. So if I am pod Karen, maybe it's because we're actually living in the Matrix. But you're going to have to convince me we're in the Matrix. Yes, and there's some scientists that are looking to see if that's a possibility. Basically, a few years back, an Oxford professor named Nick's, Nick Bostrom put out the idea that our world may actually be an advanced computer simulation. Which really, if it was sufficiently advanced, how would we know? Yeah. If it was advanced enough to give each of the creatures inside it consciousness yeah. and awareness of themselves and everything like that, how would we know? We wouldn't. Yeah. But now there's researchers at the University of Bonn in Germany who are doing an experiment that's designed to let us know if that is actually true. I want to know what this experiment is. Are they trying to plug themselves in in, an, in awkward ways? Okay, well, according to, and I'm reading off the Mary Sue here, because as they say, it uses, ter the experiment involves terms like quantum chromodynamics and lattice gauge theory, which, you know, okay. is all oh, kinds wait, of stuff. Okay, that I is no miles idea. over my yeah. head. I'm sorry. Okay, so they boiled it down, tried to boil it down into slightly more layman's terms. I will not say understandable terms, because it's still kind of Okay. I don't, still don't get this, but I'll smile and nod and assume that they do. The scientists hypothesize that even in the most sophisticated simulation, there would have to be limits to the physical world, even on the tiniest of levels. Okay. So they've set out to build their own miniature replica of the universe and test it for any constraints that would serve as evidence of artificial construction. I guess it's sort of like, and then, you know, this comes to mind because I was recently, recently listening to the Down in Front podcast um, discussion of the movie... Inception. Right. And they compared the dream world in Inception and designing a dream world, like the, the architect character in Inception. Okay. Has to design a dream world that seems infinite but is not. Okay. And they compared it to sort of like a video game where like if you're playing something like Halo or Fable or, you know, some of, the, especially some of the, the, you know, large world type of thing. Free movement RPG sort of games. They have to have a world, like, they have, the world that they have made is finite to some level. Because, like, you can't, they can't design it so that you literally keep going. 
and find new things always yes. and never ever find a limit to it. But it has to feel when you're in the game as though you can go anywhere. You're not supposed right. to you shouldn't be able to see those limits. Right. Or to get to those limits. So from what the Mary Sue is saying, I think that's kind of what the scientists were hypothesizing. Even in a simulation there would have to be some point where the world it creates has to stop. Has a limit. Yeah. Right. So my question is, if we are in the matrix, mm-hmm. won't the matrix matrix just dictate the results of the experiment? See, that's the question. And okay. I'm not sure if Mary Sue even mentioned that, but that is a question. Hey, anybody out there smarter than us can make <laughs> an answer that. I need to go back and watch the matrix to find out. Yeah. And it means they, I mean, the Mary Sue does say something they're not clear on how the scientists could definitively say that any limit they find to their little universe also applies to the universe, the larger universe, when it could result, result from some inaccurate data on their part. Supposedly we have, through telescopes and stuff, we have seen stars and stuff that are millions and millions of miles away. A blight years away, I should say. So, wouldn't the limit have to be beyond that? Or is that just some kind of illusion? Or Uh-huh, that's true. And, ow, my brain. Well, I tell you what, I will raise you, see your matrix, and I will raise you a holodeck. So, the USC students are working on building an actual functioning holodeck. Now, somewhere in the matrix world... Mm-hmm. as in whatever world it is that we are living in, there must be on somebody's desk a list of things that have to be made from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Because we've already got voice, recogni- voice recognition computers. We've got the doors that just go, shh, shh, you know, stuff like that. We have discussed warp, and now we are looking at Project Holodeck, which is a very serious effort to make the iconic virtual reality room from Star Trek a reality. It's still in its beginning phases. Obviously, I've said it's a work in, you know, it is current work in progress. But at the moment, they can't pull the Star Trek and just walk in in street clothes. Yeah, I was going to say, from the picture, obviously, someone's wearing goggles. Yeah, they're, they're wearing what looks like a mask. And it's rigged up along with fans that are around the room to help imply wind. Yeah. But the team is developing a game to show off the setup called Wild Skies, which will require players to fly an airship and also engage in a little combat using swords and, you know, whatever other weapons of your choice. Yep. To help advertise it and gain funding for it and, and such like that. So yeah. I want to know when I get Cabana Boys in a yarn store. Yeah. Because that's my holodeck. Yeah. And I will be including the link to this, because right now the link to this is a bunch of gobbledygook. It's on news.cnet.com, and then a bunch of, you know, strings and letters and stuff. But I will be including the link to this. It relies on Oculus Rift headset for visuals, PlayStation Move for head tracking, and the Razer Hydra to monitor body movements. So at the moment it looks a little bit like a Frankenstein, but hey, we all gotta get born somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, he's not, it's not like he's wearing a special motion capture suit or anything like that. So it does, it is down to just mainly the goggles by the look of it for what the user has to, you know, wear or do for their part of the experience. Now, furthering Star Trek, guess what, people? We had warp, we have holodecks, we are now working on the fusion impulse engines for space travel. Now, I'm not making this up. Yeah, this is also from CNET.com's news section. The fusion fuel we're focusing on is, and I, I know I'm going to, I'm reading directly from the article here. I know I'm going to screw up some, some of the words. Deuterium, which is a stable isotope of hydrogen, and Li6, a stable isotope of the metal lithium in a crystal structure. That's basically dilithium crystals we're using. We are <laughs> using dilithium crystals for space travel. That is the plan. And the idea is to get this operational and a reality by 2030, mm-hmm. and it will make space travel to Mars take six weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, we, we may not have contact with the Vulcans yet, but we can do <laughs> space, travel, space travel to Mars by 2030. Not, not so backwater anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got some serious uh, science coming out of the geek world. 
Yeah. Becoming a reality. This is good. This is good stuff. Well, that's what science fiction and geeky stuff does. And this is being put together by the University of Alabama in Huntsville Aerophysics Research Center, NASA, Boeing, and the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. They're all collaborating together for this project. And one thing that I've seen cropping up on Twitter and lots of different places this week, but I'm not enti- I am not entirely sure what's going on with it yet. There's a website now for Monsters University, like an actual university website. It's at monstersuniversity.com. You remember the monsters you know, movie from Disney Pixar that came out of your closet? They made you scream, stuff like that? Yeah. With Boo? Yeah. The little girl that ran around? Yeah. Those monsters have a university. Yeah. And I mean, it is the sort of thing where we just had to do a little bit of digging. Like, we had to look at the terms of use for the site, like, way down at the bottom of the page. And then, right down at the bottom of the terms of use, there was something copyright Disney Pixar. So, yeah, this is... Well, wherever they're at, it's 69 degrees. So they're somewhere warm. Yeah. California. Probably. So it is related to Disney Pixar and probably to... I think I did see something about, like, a there might be a prequel movie to okay. Monsters, Inc. coming out showing how they learn to do their... do the, How the monsters learn to do their thing. But basically, you can wander around the website, and the website is a full-on... Like, it's like, it's like it looks like a university website. Yeah, it website. looks like a university website. It's really well put together. You know, there's about MU, admissions, academics, campus life... I'm looking at clubs right now. Math club. Even the most naturally gifted students can only reach 60 if they rely on counting fingers and toes. The Glee Club. Yeah. Supports many student vocal groups on campus, including the Scaratones, the Night Tenors, and the Off-Key Mumblers. That's cute. The Film Society. And actually, check out at the bottom of the screen, too... There's always, there's a changing thing at the bottom right corner of the, of each page with like different events that are going on. This one's athletic tickets, fear tech, homecoming game tickets, selling out fast. Another one was about a film night that I only just barely saw. This is a really cute site. If anybody knows anything more about what surrounds this, let us know. Yeah, actually, and along the side, there's a news and events and an event calendar column. So there's, like, in news and events, there's something that says, Are two heads better than one? A scientific study of creative abilities amongst students with multiple heads has revealed... (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. Continue reading. Yeah. And then in the event calendar, there's movie night, screaming in the rain, monster museum exhibit, vocal masterclass, roars and whispers. Sign up next week. This is cute. Yeah, it's adorable, and I believe it has a store that you can buy stuff from, too. Like, actual t-shirts and stuff. It's a really cool... Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's for like an actual prequel movie. Ah! Oh my god. Coming soon. Monsters University Collegiate Hoodie, which has four arms. Yeah. But there's actual And so is the t-shirt. Yeah. There's a t-shirt there too, like that. Awesome. Those are, but that one's sold out. I don't think they're going to be restocking that one anytime soon. Yeah, well. The ones for for creatures with two arms are, look like they're in stock. But yeah, I'm pretty sure, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's actually part of a a marketing thing for a movie that's coming up. I like it. But it is a a brilliant piece of viral marketing. It makes me want to go back to university. (laughs) And speaking of university, what would university be without drinking games? Oh, oh yes. (laughs) And I have found one that we'll link to because it's got a somewhat long address. But it's from a Tumblr account called It's Always Sunny in Asgard.tumblr.com. That's actually the the URL. It's Always Sunny in Asgard. I'm not going to attempt to spell that. But it is an Avengers drinking game. Yes. And we are going to participate. We're totally going to do point. this and we have to do it. We're going to have to do it at some point mm-hmm. and we'll do it with booze. Because seriously. There's all sorts of, there's a graphic that makes for a lot of fun rules. And then there's description underneath that. Because it was, apparently it was actually field tested by no less than seven adults. And there's actually tips in the text about, you know, how it was field tested or what happened when it was field tested. So it includes things like suit up, drink up. Whenever someone is instructed to suit up, you take a drink. Yep. I love the calisthenics one. Drink whenever a muscle that is not the face takes up the majority of the frame, also known as the dad-ass rule. And this is when people started yelling out things like, chest, arms, legs, butt, butt, arms. And you get a bonus sip if Agent Hill checks someone out. Or the, another one of my favorite one is the one that says, is the sun coming up? Then drink. Whenever Fury goes all Samuel L. Jackson on someone's ass. And they describe later on 
you know, field test rule of thumb. Basically, if you feel like blurting out mother fracker at the end of one of his lines, it qualifies. Which, to me, is every time he draws breath. Yeah. Yeah. Or close to. I need to watch this movie again. I'm sorry. I'm getting the, getting the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Tony makes a pop culture reference and bonus sip if, if Captain doesn't get it. And then another stipulation for it is... Every guest at the party is assigned a different member of the team. Duplicates are permitted. When their character works with any of the uh, combination of the others, those affected drink as a team. So when Captain America and Tony are taking down Loki's little party in Germany, the Captain America and the Tony Stark people watching both take a drink. Another fun was the, are you nuts? Drink whenever Steve party poops. Not thirsty? Try giving your fr- your best disapproving stare at an imbibing friend instead. <laughs> but yes, we need to do this. Though it does mention, a little caveat at the bottom, it says, Do not drink when you find the cast attractive. It is death. Enjoy responsibly. That's kind of like the Star Wars drinking game where it says, Drink whenever an elaborately made-up alien has no lines. Oh, God. You're, you're projectile vomiting when you get to, get to the canteen. I was about to say, that's alcohol poisoning right there. Yeah. So yes, if anyone does this before we do, report back. Yes. (laughs) Let us know how it went, because we totally need to do this. Oh yes, and something else nifty I found on Tumblr? I was squeeing over this, like, just, what, half an hour ago? Could not believe it. Because someone posted on Tumblr an image from the Metropolitan Museum of Art in in New York. It is a 20-sided dice, but it is not any just any 20-sided dice. It is a 20-sided dice... That dates from about 300 to 30 B.C. B.C., motherfucker. <laughs> yes. It's from... so Old from the school. From the Ptolemaic period in Egypt. It's basically a stone die with 20 sides, and it has Greek letters. A Greek letter on each side. There are just four missing. Right. Because obviously it can fit all 24 on the dice. Apparently it says, looking at the, I'm looking at the actual page now, and it's, the best bet to find it, obviously we're going to, you know, we'll have a link in the show notes eventually, but if you're looking for it, probably the easiest way to do it is go to collections, and then you can search the collections and just put in dice. That, I'm just imagining Egyptians just hanging around playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Well, when I reposted it on my Tumblr, I put a little quote underneath, it's like, in front of you is a pyramid. I approach the pyramid and hit it with my staff. It's a pyramid. It does nothing. Again, if you haven't read the story of the gazebo yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons, Google that. You need that. to. Yeah. Yeah. And it says it's, just looking at the dimensions here, it says it's basically one and a quarter by one and a half by one five sixteenth inches. So, you know, about, if it was a circle, it would be about one and a half yeah. inches. That's pretty, around. that's impressive for. In diameter. Yeah. Damn. A tw- an ancient 20-sided die. 2,000-year-old 20-sided die. How awesome is that? It says it was actually, it was in the, formerly in the collection of the Reverend Chauncey Murch, who died in 1907. It was given to the museum in uh, 1910. And it says it was collected between 1883 and 1906 when Murch was a missionary in Egypt. And she says the collection was purchased by the museum from the Murch family with funds provided by the donor. So really, is that not cool? That is so so in something that kind of bridges Geek Squee and Cravings, Comets, and Crushes, because there might be some people who are going to be dying to get this. The Lord of the Rings, not just The Hobbit, but The Hobbit and The Fellowship and The Two Towers, etc., are all going to be found on New Zealand stamps. And I think I did read somewhere... That look at look at that broody dwarf right there. Oh, hello, Richard Armitage. Look at him. Look Even at- your near unibrow cannot make you less sexy. Look at that. Isn't oh, he adorable? Martin Freeman is adorable. That is so cool. New Zealand is the only country in the world that is going to be able to do this legitimately. Yeah, well, <laughs> legitimately. Yes. I'm sure some might do it not legitimately, but that's amazing. So keep a lookout, and they got Ian, aka Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up. Yeah. And I love how each of them says Middle Earth, New Zealand. And they also have gold coins. Ooh. Including Elvish runes. Including the runes on the Middle Earth, New Zealand, $10. It's got Queen Elizabeth II on one side, and it's got 
Bilbo Baggins on the other. That's awesome. They will be legal tender, but they don't expect any in circulation. Yeah. Like, anybody who gets their hands on one, they're like, no, mine is the precious. Yeah. Well, the coins are obviously more of a collector's item. I could maybe yeah. see the stamps. Like, people oh, could the buy stamps, definitely. One, yeah, one set of stamps to keep and another set of stamps to actually mail stuff. Yeah. So our New Zealand listeners, you might want to keep an eye out for those so you can add those to your collection. Sweet. <laughs> Though I'm sure you've already heard about this. I'm sure you guys are getting tons of Hobbit news all over the place. And it's only going to go into a frenzy as we get closer and closer to the day. Yeah, to the release date. The frenzy on this side of the pond will be those of us who are knitting for the Hobbit yeah. along. Yes. Must knit the precious. Knit the precious. But moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, we have something to report on from... A long time ago on this podcast. And this is a fantastic evolution. So I think, like, ages ago, it might have even been one of our first episodes. Yep. We talked about a group called the Ladies of Mischief, who were, at the time, I believe they had a Kickstarter campaign. Correct. Because they wanted to do a book of steampunk stories and knitting patterns and things like that. And that is now here. Yes, it has been released by Cooperative Press. It is available in digital and printed format. And so the book is called Needles and Artifice, a refined adventure story with ingenious knitting patterns. And just to put it out there, Neil Gaiman tweeted yes. about it. That just put them on the geek version of the Oprah Winfrey Book Club. Yes. We are skimming through the book right now. Yes. I, we were actually sent a copy by one of the creators. I had a sneak peek, all sneaky style, at work this afternoon. But this is Karen's first time. Yes. Actually getting to see it. And I should say, I am probably going to be buying this anyway. Oh, yeah. Because it's awesome. And also because I should mention, too, with Cooperative Press, what they do is instead of designers for books getting paid a flat fee for their design, what they do is the designers each get a share of the proceeds from the book. So if the book sells really well, they get paid more than they probably would if they had just been, you know, gotten paid for the one design. Because knitting designs are not paid very, you know, knitting designers are not paid a hell of a lot, depending on the publisher yeah. and everything like that. Some will be better than others, I should I should mention. But sometimes they can actually not get paid a hell of a lot for their work. In Your Hands is an original story written by the Ladies of Mischief, recounting one of their most grand adventures. As you travel with them through thrilling quests and exotic locales, you will be rewarded with an outstanding collection of unusual, striking, and engaging knitting patterns. Patterns, which, if you checked out the Ladies of Mischief blog when we mentioned it, yep. it's sort of the same thing there. E, I remember seeing that the, pattern. The gear doilies? Yes, the cog doilies. So there's a couple different chapters in this book. Chapter one is Mechanical, two, Boudoir, Airship and Countryside, High Society, and Mad Science. Everything that, you know, your Victorian lady would need. Yes. Photos of the ladies. Yes, yeah, so it starts out with it basically starts out with a story, and we're going through a couple pages here of story, and there's little sidebars with Insects. backgrounds on the different ladies. Yeah. And I'll have to read the story later. But there are illustrations and photos, and then so then you start getting into different patterns, like the resilience top, which is really neat. And they really went all out for their costuming and environment. Yeah. They did a really good job with the photos. There's lots of photos of each of this pattern, actually. I assume with the other patterns, too. There's at least yep. four patterns of the five pictures of the resilience top. Six. Six seven. seven. Yeah, there's eight pictures of the resilience top. Back, front, side. Close-ups. Yeah, arms up, arms down. And they're all in color. Yep, full-color photographs. Ooh, I saw these. The rivet spats. Mm -hmm. Those are so cool. I'm kind of like, part of me is sort of like, screw leg warmers, I want spats. Yep. <laughs> and these are, you know, if you don't know what a spats are, they're the, the covers that go sort of over the top of a shoe, and then sort of up the leg a little bit. This is a great way to describe it. Think of Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. He wore spats on top of his feet. Yeah, without the shoes part. Without the shoes part, but you know. And these button up the sides, and they're knitted to the front of them biases. So that, you know, basically comes it looks to like a, a chevron. point. Yeah. yeah. And again, you're seeing multiple views of each pattern project. Yeah. And there's a schematic for it as well. And a lot of the photos, like, even if... Like, I'm looking at the photo for the incandescent cowl, and the person who's modeling it is in a corset and... She's got, you know, looks like the round <coughs> rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. 
and she's in front of something that's large and gear-like. Yeah, and wearing gloves and everything. So yep. they're they're full costumed, even when they're modeling like a cowl. Yeah. Which is cool. The schematic socks, which creates the little cogs using embroidery. There's a couple patterns in here that I really fell in love with when I was peeking at them on Ravelry. The Revolution Shrug is really pretty, it too. It is really nice. It's a nice little shrug, which looks amazing with that underbust corset she's I was, wearing. I was going to say, that corset's <laughs> phenomenal. Holy crackers. It looks so good with her outfit. And there's a lot of there's a lot of detailed schematics there yeah. for it. So that you can understand the construction of the piece. <laughs> Chapter 2, in which both secrets and ankles are revealed. Oh, scandal! Literally, it's almost like one half of this book is story, and one, the other half is knitting projects. Yeah. Which is cool! Which is amazing! I love that they incorporated the two. Yeah. The trials and tribulations, chemise and bloomers. Scandalous! <laughs> but very cute. Like, the chemise is basically like, you know, you could totally wear that with jeans. Yep. You could. It'd be nicer to wear it with steampunky stuff, but you could wear it with jeans. As you could with the, like, with the shrug and with a bunch of other stuff, too. Little bit of bloomers. That would certainly keep your nethers warm on cold winter days. Definitely would. <laughs> especially if you're wearing a long skirt. I was about to say, it might be nice underneath a skirt, especially when drafts tend to go up. And... Yep. Nope, you went okay. to the very end. Did you notice how many pages there were? Yeah. There's 236 pages in this book, guys. FYI. Okay. There we go. So, oh, the indulgence bed jacket is really cool. So, yeah, so you're getting a lot of book for your money. Yeah. It, oh, the bed jacket is really cute. It's almost like that the sweater that was very popular, and still is very popular, the mm-hmm. February Lady, where it's just, the yeah. buttons are very are at the top, close to the close to the throat, and then it's just left open or loose yeah. afterwards, and it's, it's, and it's a little very like a, similar. Yeah, and the shaping is a little bit like a swing jacket, where it yeah. just for, sort of goes in a sort of A-line from basically the armholes down. I really like this one, the hush. Oh, this hush chemise. Oh, yeah, that's really cute. With a little lace pattern across the shoulders. Ooh. I saw these the other day, I'm like, well, here's some arm warmers that I might have to add to my queue. Yeah, you because were just talking I, about that recently. I need to make some. The Helmsley mitts. And basically, it looks like they've got a little twisted stitch diamond and V-shaped pattern on the top of the mitt, as well as some little... That should cure your... Lacy... Your cable cable needs. Yes. And actually, let me see how much yarn that uses. 440, well, the, this color, the yarn they used has 440 yards in a skein. It's a fingering weight yarn. And it used one skein. So yeah. It looks like they go up, like, to the elbow. So that, now yeah, they could definitely use a good skein of fingering weight yarn, which, hello, <laughs> I very I well might say, have you upstairs. Don't have, you don't have anything like that handy, do you? Stash busting. Oh, this That one. was a nice one. This one. The legacy frock coat. That is, oh that is a gem. Oh my god, it's awesome. And again, it looks so good with the corset and blouse that she's wearing in the skirt. But it looks awesome anyway. It's it's basically a frock coat. Like it you basically knit a shrug, like from wrist to wrist, and then add the the back to it, but it goes longer in the back than it does in the front mm-hmm. front, like a frock coat. It's meant to have presents. Yes. And boy does it ever. It's so cool. The master and commander cap and cowl. Yep. Cute little cables. This was nice, too. Mm, yeah, the mountain lily scarf, which is just a really cute little lacy scarf. The warm and tingly headscarf and mitts. Which, by the way, looks like they would be a good knit for Christmas gifts. Yeah. Because they're, they're basically fingerless mitts. Look like they're done in a fairly heavyweight yarn. Like, that's got to be a DK or a worsted. Yeah. And a nice cable pattern. And there's a little sort of headband, again, in that cable pattern. Which looks, so it looks like the sort of Christmas quick knit that you might like. Oh, this was another really cool one. The Abundance Vest. This is well-shaped. Yes. It's basically a vest that has... It's a ribbing pattern, but the ribbing goes in a V to meet at a center stitch that goes down the front. So it really shows off the shape of the model. I'm pretty sure the model is wearing a corset. but and it, So it really emphasize, also emphasizes that V going over the boobs. Yeah. And it's got these little sort of pointed ends at the bottom. Sort of like a very tailored man's vest. And again, loads of photographs. The take flight bonnet. <laughs> that is not something I anticipate seeing too often with jeans, but... It's basically like, Damn, a, it's cute. like a little aviator's cap. Yeah. Ooh. This was one of your favorites. This is one of the ones I loved. The quadrille overbust corset. 
And coincidentally enough, she looks very much like a librarian who's waiting for somebody to come and meet her in her study. Yeah, she does have a somewhat librarian-y look. Basically, it is, well, basically a corset cover. Like, you have to have an actual corset to go underneath it. Because it doesn't actually have boning in it. But it is, like, it's, oh. I don't know how tight those, those cables are knit. They may supply quite a bit of... Quite a bit of structure. Yeah. But oh, it is intended, it, yeah, it is intended to be worn on top of a fully cinched and boned overbust corset. Okay. But, oh, look at the detailing. Like where the, the seams would be or where boning would be, there's like these little cables going up and there's this large cable panel in the front. There's a little pico edge around the top. And at the sides, you can see more of the, the, the little cable patterns. And, and lacing oh, in the back. God, and it's like ribbon lacing in the back. And it's, oh, it's so gorgeous. If I had a corset, I would totally be making this to go over top of it. As well as your Hop It Along project? Well, you know, maybe not right now. Okay. But eventually. It's just, oh, the detailing on this is just gorgeous. I want a corset so I can wear this with it. This I thought was ingenious. Oh, yes. The cameo Spencer jacket? Yeah. The jacket is sort of like a, I guess, a bolero or sh- very cropped jacket. Yeah. But it's, it's basically... A, it's a wrap jacket that's cropped, so the wrap really goes across the bust. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is... If you have seen, like, the Jane Austen movies and something, there yeah. is a, yeah, yeah. a jacket called a Spencer that they wear, which is a very short, like, seriously, like, just below the boobs little jacket. It often, often fastens over to the side. This one has, like, a V of buttons that's way over to one side. With a frill beyond the buttons. Yes. Knitted, sort of, like, extra... And it, keeps, and it does have little puffed sleeves. Puffed sleeves, and it has, look at the detail. Ooh, yes, there's a cable. Right down the center of the sleeve pleats, and then down down the uh, elbow. You can find all these patterns on, you can see the pattern, pictures of the patterns and stuff on Ravelry, of course. And of course, then there's the parquet underbust corset, which is actually a corset itself. It actually has boning in it. Interesting. It's basically a chevron pattern. That provides, it says, provides gentle shaping. And then you do actually use, the needles and notions part of it includes ribbon for lacing, yards of a certain width of ribbon for boning casing, okay. and then plastic boning. The gossip stole. This was, I loved what they did with this with the hat, too. Mm-hmm. Using it as a veil and pinning it back. That is so cool. I very, very much like this stole. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Chapter 6, in which arses are kicked. Yes. I really have to read this later. And then we get into something which is a big old slice of crazy pie. Yes. But the person who designed this, this I have to name the designer. The designer on this one is Katrina Elsesser. 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 We're sorry, Christina. Hi, Katrina. If you ever listen to the listen to the rest of our podcast, you know this is a theme with us. Yeah, not sorry. being able to pronounce things. This is the null hypothesis scarf, and this is one of those things. If you make this, or you know the designer, I just have to like bow down and say I am not worthy because damn, it is a double knit scarf in fingering weight yarn with a non repeating charted pattern. Just let that sink in. For yeah, a for a little while. Yeah, double knit. Fingering weight, non-repeating pattern. Any of those things on their own is enough of a challenge. Yeah. And this thing is just, both sides are just covered in design. Like, one side has got all these cogs and gears and bubbles and all kinds of things. And the other side looks like there's, you know, books and scrolls and all kinds of amazingness. That is an epic project. Yeah. There are, my God, there's pipes and beakers. beakers. With steam coming out of it. And bubbles and, and the swirls, swirls yeah. books. Music. There are seven charts. So seriously, you attempt this, man. Seriously, okay, someone has already made this. So yes. if the person who designed it and who made it, who knitted it up, like, nude all my props to you. And all my props to you if you decided to attempt it. Because seriously. The eccentricity stockings. Mm-hmm. Knit stockings. And one is knit so that it stripes around the leg, and one is knit so it stripes up and, and down. down the leg. And they're like, they're actual above-the-knee stockings. Yes, held up by a garter. Yep. And we're not talking about one of those frilly things that your groom throws at the, mm-hmm. you know, at the party. Functioning undergarment garter. Those will keep your legs warm. Okay, actually, the, the eccentricity stocking, I believe, is the, the one that goes around the leg. The one that goes up and down the leg is the amplitude stockings. It's just that the model is wearing one of each. 
Oh, okay. In the picture. Okay. Okay. And it looks like the amplitude stockings, the ones that go up and down, also have like a little sort of garter row detail. So, you know, you could make one stocking of each, or you could make, you know, one pair of each. Whichever you prefer. Or you could just well. make a bunch and just throw your hand into the drawer and say, I, today I am wearing... Oh, wow, the deviation capelet. Again, a chevron stitch pattern, but this time in a little, in a little capelet. And it looks like it's very structured. Oh, it looks like it's actually got, like, almost like umbrella things in it amongst the spines of the bamboo skewers. Okay, it was beads at the end. So basically you put the skewers down each... Yep. sort of spine of the chevron. The you chevrons. could you could turn that into like a big like evil queen sort of collar. Yes, that Stand would be it up. cool, man. So wow. Yeah, definitely check this book out because wow. Props to the ladies who have put this together because I believe they were saying that this took 2 years. Yeah, I can believe that. So you can find their blog at the ladies of mischief.wordpress.com and of course you'll find links there to buy the book as well. You can also find it at cooperativepress.com. Yes. Highly recommended. Beautifully done. Wow. Way to go, girls. That's awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. High five wherever you are. Big geeky high five to you, to you all. And speaking of insane levels of detail and big big geeky high fives, the Weta workshop in New Zealand, which is the group that has done like all the props and costumes and all that other crazy detailed stuff for The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, has a shop. And they have a bunch of stuff in there for The Hobbit. You can get to their shop by going to www.wetanz.com slash shop. W-E-T-A-N-Z dot com. Or same URL, wetanz.com slash Hobbit dash A-U-J, and that's going to be the specific Hobbit items. There is some amazing stuff here. I some love of which it. I, I want it. so bad. They have a floor plan of bag end on parchment. I want that. I want. I want so much of this. I want. I know. I want the map of the Shire on my living room wall. I want it now. I want there it now. There are. They have prop replicas. They have, like, for a lot... Okay, I should mention, for some of the items, they have things like... Okay, they have Thorin's Map, a parchment art print for, like, $30 US. And then they have a prop replica of the map for, like, $200 US. They have the contract of Bilbo Baggins. Again, a prop replica for, like, 450 bucks. Not surprising, considering, like, how many pages it looks like is in that thing. And how detailed it is. And considering it's got, like, all this... Amazing calligraphy on it. It looks like it's hand-sewn together, too. And, of course, they have varying replicas of knives and swords. I'm just seeing the part where it needs to be sewn together because it's so freaking long. The contract part. And there's all these little added things. Yeah, um, that's cool. Sewn onto it. It's so amazing. Like, it... It's the same sort of crazy detail they went into to make the prop. Yeah. Basically. Like, it's a prop replica. That's what it is. Of course, they also have... The One Ring in gold-plated tungsten carbide without the elvish runes for a hundred bucks, which isn't bad. A lot. Some of this stuff is pre-ordered. They do also have, I think, in the Lord of the Rings area of their shop. They do have one. You can also get one in other materials, um, including one that does have the elvish runes on the on the inside and the outside. And I love that. <laughs> I love that they have sizing for the One Ring, so you can get the One Ring that will fit fit you your finger, which is. A little scary. Yeah, in other areas of the shop, like, wow. One ring in 18 carat solid gold, made to order, with the elvish runes around it. $3,300. <laughs> Again, not surprising because it's in solid, like, 18 carat gold. Bilbo needs to bring me that ring for that money. But, damn, that would be some serious... Bling? Yeah, I wouldn't... That would be some geek bling. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to wear it out of the house, though. That, see, that's the... The breaking point for me, even if I did have the money, I want to be able to wear it. <laughs> but yeah, so the the Hobbit stuff is all recent. Like I said, the Hobbit stuff is all a recent edition, so some of it is still in pre-order. And you can shop by different brands in their shop. They also have Lord of the Rings, Adventures of Tintin, District Nine, King Kong, ooh, Into the Willows, and other projects they've worked on. You can stuff for that. Of course, if you go over to the Lord of the Rings section, they have a bunch of different kinds of the One Ring, including you know the one that's from. Ninety nine dollars up to three thousand. There's a few hundred seventy five dollar range. 
They have figures as well, like they've made figures of Thorin and Gandalf for The Hobbit. Fine Art Limited Edition Master Swordsmith Collection Edition of Sting. No admittance, fine <gasps> no, magnet. No, 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 go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Sorry, my the artist in me just sort of like flailed and fell over. Ooh, Lord of the Rings sketchbook signed by Alan Lee. <laughs> Out of stock. I want all the things. Yeah, their website is, I want all the things. All the things. Hobbit ears! No way. <laughs> drawn from the original molds that Frodo Baggins slash Elijah Wood's ears were drawn from for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, these prosthetics are as authentic as can be. It's made by the makeup supervisor at Weta Workshop from Latex. They can be blended to look like part of your anatomy for your next costume event or convention. Cool. You can also get Sam's ears, which are slightly larger. So yeah, if you're a Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit nerd and you would love to covet some of the stuff from the movies, you definitely need to check out the Weta Workshop store. Because, holy damn. Hey everybody, I just have one more little note before we let you go for the week <laughs> in this very long catch-up episode. I just wanted to let you know about something that a listener emailed us about. Cindy from fitterknitter.com emailed to tell us about their 2013 Calendar of Hope. Basically, it's a calendar they put together that has... 14 knitted square patterns, never before published, that they used to raise money for breast cancer research. Basically, all the proceeds of the sale of the calendars, except for the PayPal fees, go to uh, armyofwomen.org, whose goals are to recruit 1 million healthy women of every age and ethnicity, including breast cancer survivors and women at high risk for the disease to partner with breast cancer researchers and directly participate in the research that will eradicate breast cancer once and for all, and to challenge the scientific community to expand its current focus to include breast cancer prevention research conducted on healthy women. And you can find the Army of Women website at armyofwomen.org. There's also links from the Fitter Knitter website, which if you go to fitterknitter.com, on the front page, there's a nice big image of the calendar. And you can also download a sample pattern from there so you can see what the patterns are like. And from there, you can also buy past issues of the calendar. They're $18 each. They've been doing this for five years, and they actually said that in fi those five years, they've raised over $5,000 for breast cancer research. So yay, guys. But you can find this year's calendar as well as past calendars there. Might be an idea for a gift for the knitter in your life. And like I said, from fitternitter.com, you can also find links to the Army of Women site. So you can, you know, take a look around and see if that's something you'd like to support. Thus ends the message. But yes, I think that's it this week. I think my throat is, my voice is about to give out. So keep going with your Hobbit Along projects. And we will see you next week. Yep. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Have a good week, everybody!